Good evening, everybody. We are back with the Q&A, May the 21st, Session 120. Again, thank you for the questions we received today. And we pray and believe that the answers are blessing people. So this evening, before we go into the questions, we shall look to the Lord. Father, we just thank you once again. We come to the end of one more week, Lord. 21 days in this fifth month. We thank you for your goodness, yes, your kindness, <clears throat> yes. above all the everlasting salvation we have, Lord. Whatever else may happen, one thing is sure. Death has been overcome yes. by Christ. And in and through Christ, we too have overcome death, Lord. Amen. Yes. For now to live or die is gain. Hallelujah. There is yes. no loss. Yes, Lord. And I pray, Father, mm. That thought would imprint the hearts and the minds of everyone. Yes, yes. That now to live or die is gain. There is no loss in the kingdom. So we come at this time into thy hands, O Lord, and give us the wisdom to answer the questions, Lord. And let it be a source of comfort and encouragement for your people. Thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Pastor, we'll start with question number six. Yes. This is something related to the last days. And uh, the questioner asks, would you say we are living in the last days, <clears throat> the signs and the wonders, uh, and it looks like it, are we hoping Jesus is coming sooner than we think? See, like we, the signs are there. The signs are only increasing, but that's does not definitely mean of course he's coming sooner every second passes by he is coming sooner than I mean he's coming he's getting closer but whether he's coming sooner than we think I do not know because sometimes what happens is we look at what we are going through like let's say a person who is doesn't face much trouble and somebody who's going through great tribulation their both perspective about Jesus coming may be completely wrong, completely different, and both may be wrong. The one who's going through intense persecution will think the Lord is coming very soon. While the other one may be thinking that he is coming is much later. The fact is that both, both could be wrong. So we have to look in the scripture. Our own personal situations, our trials, is not proof of that his coming is soon. Okay. Not even world events. World events has to agree with uh, with scripture. So there are I mean there's so many scriptures. One of course is we do not I personally do not think the gospel has reached the ends of this world. I believe there are millions upon millions even in India who haven't heard the gospel. So that scripture has to be fulfilled. Mm. Then there is something, because when Jesus comes and tribulation begins, whichever way it is, pre, mid, post, it has to be within that seven-year timeline. There will be these two witnesses who will be there in Jerusalem. And the Bible says they will be killed and their bodies will die on the streets and the whole world will see them. Now the whole thing is that the whole world cannot see them now. Even in U.S., internet penetration in the rural side is very mm. poor. Yes, yes. Very poor. Okay, even mm. in India, it's pretty bad. So, 
Are you going to take that verse literally or does it mean most of the world will see it or will the whole world see it? So the question is, if you, if you look at what scripture says, what will happen in the last days and we look reality outside, I don't know. I don't know. Then always there is this one word in the parables Jesus speaks about the bridegroom delaying. Bridegroom delaying. This is one thing about the aspect of God's mercy. That's why God uh, dem- literally demands two things from his people. One is patience and the other is endurance. Patience is because God says, you have to wait for my time. You don't understand why I delay stuff, but you need to learn patience. And it is through patience and faith we inherit the promise of God. And one of the promises is the glorification. The other is, and when he delays, we have to endure. We have to endure. These two words, perseverance, patience, endurance, these three things are repeated over and over, especially connected with the last days. Because like we keep saying, because there are the last day pictures in the Bible, and one of the incredible pictures of the Bible is Noah. It's it's the first judgment, actually, universal judgment, or all, the whole earth was judged. The only picture we have, after that it was selective, but the entire universal judgment was only Noah's judgment. The interesting part about Noah's judgment, honestly, is this. If you go by that, God went waited 120 years. Mm. And God waited 120 years knowing only eight would get saved. Mm. Now, in hindsight, we'll say, why wait 120 years if only eight are going to get saved? It cannot be that he waited 120 years to build the boat. Mm. That can be speeded up. That's not a construction. We know it's not an issue. Construction can be slowed or construction can be speeded up. So it is not got to do with the construction of the actual boat. It is got to do with the mercy of God. That even though God knows Mm. only eight will come in, his character demands that he waits 120 years. He still waits. 120 years, even though he realizes. Okay? In the same way, the simple question is in the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son came to his senses, made up his mind, he came back. The question is, if he hadn't come back, would the father would be still waiting? Yes. So the father's waiting is not dependent upon the void changing. The father would still wait because of who that is in his nature. Medicine is nature. These fundamentals we need to understand Mm. because sometimes when we go through our personal, this thing, and especially in the persecuted churches and when the attacks are really, really terrible, they will cry out, Lord, come. But that would not be the real reason why we cry out. The place where there is no persecution and the place that is intense persecution both hearts should cry for the real reason, the real motive. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Why? Because we just, we just love want, you. love you. And we just want you. Yet, we also have the same attitude of Paul. He says, but for you, it's better that I stay back. If you ask me, I would like to go. But if you ask me, which would be better for you, it's better for you that I stay back and still strengthen and teach. So both are there. Both are there. Okay, so the other side of it is that as we understand more and more of God, 
and we love him more and more and we understand his will we understand his commandments we realize the only hindrance to really really serving him is this body yeah. that is why the 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 saints groan to put away this body so they can serve him better in the next realm of where this restrictions of this body is gone right now life is all about this body but the saints who have understood this body actually restricts you from serving god serving god like you want to pray but you get tired you fall asleep you want to study but you fall asleep you get tired you want to go around and minister but everywhere anything you don't want to do for god the restriction is this body mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay and therefore there's another cry that comes out lord i want to serve you and the only restriction is this body lord this restriction so when you look at it we have to be very very careful when we look we have to look at the the prophecies through the bible connected with the second coming specific prophecies connected with the second coming and the question is yes we see things falling into place yet it has not all fallen into place we still haven't come that is why we have to look at this agenda i believe it's a demonic global illuminati agenda to really cut down the population because the population has to be cut down and they cannot control the world with the numbers you have now mm. it has to be cut down one way or other it has to be cut down because no one can buy or sell and we have not come to that point anywhere in the world where the system can watch everybody not even china mm. the most intrusive nation on earth there is no right to practically right to privacy but they still have in reach because there are mountains and places where the government has no clue what the people are doing they haven't reached that at mm. all so it has to come to that point you see because everything is going to happen in 7 years it's all going to happen so we have a very specific time frame 7 mm. years of the yes. antichrist so when the antichrist takes over in that 7 years all the system should be in place this system should be in place mm-hmm. by the time and i look into the system it's not ready yet it's not ready yet so so again certain things can like like we say we see in two years after the previous us election was stolen and a uh, president came in the speed in which the reset is going on it's a real global reset going on unbelievable but there is a madness also that is happening mm. people are really mad mad is when you are not in control of your thinking that is basically madness and if you look at how people are talking out on the streets and uh, the way you see uh, really madness has taken over the society that people are not able to actually rationally look into things and ask what am i fighting for <laughs> how does it solve any issue whether it is india or whether it is us exactly. the, the transgender movement the abortion movement i mean how does it solve anything i mean out of thin air they are picking up rights which are not even rights okay or here okay like we have our this religious places going i mean how does it solve anything you dig and find okay there was an old temple over there you destroy another structure 
and build. How far in history are you going to go back? Mm-hmm. The question is, how far in the history are you willing to go back? Because if you even, I'm talking about, people are not even thinking rationally. Not even thinking rationally. Okay, because this, you can't go back into history. You have to learn from history. But when does these things happen? It's because it's kind of a crazy madness that is taking place. But, I still believe everything is in God's hands. Always was in God's hands. And if he delays, the reset will not happen. It will not happen. He will throw a spanner into the works. Because there is a church that is crying out for mercy for the unsaved. And he may extend something. But I always say, like, watch out for 2024. The next two years are going to be pivotal. Watch out what happens in the next two years, 2024, because 2024, we want to have elections here. 2024, they want to have elections over there, and then they're having elections in November. And November elections, they're terrified they're going to lose. So between now and November, see what they will do. What they will do. Mm-hmm. What they will do, because they are very good at that. And the problem is, the problem with the church is church, once a church has one, one small victory, it, it goes to sleep. Yeah. They don't realize this is a 24-7, 365-day fight. The people may call us mad to come here and pray every day as far as possible. But we know this is a battle. When will this battle end? The day you die or Jesus comes. You cannot cease because the enemy does not stop. Mm. Neither do his minions stop. Remember for one Elijah, there is 800 false prophets. For every servant of God, there are 800 others on the other side who are doing in every time zone witchcraft, sorcery, because that's a power structure. It never ceases. But we are not worried about their numbers. We are more worried about our numbers. Not that we are. We are, we are so few. So few. Actually, who are able to see are actually able to see what is actually happening because the problem was never with the world. The problem was always with the church. Because the promise is that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. So we don't ever have to worry about the world because the world was always like this. Oh, the world has become so bad. No, it was always bad. Only it was undercover. It has come out to the open. It has come out to the open it was undercover only because of the influence of Christianity. Mm. But when the influence of Christianity, before the influence of Christianity, and after the influence of Christianity has waned, what was always there has come out. Wow. Before Christianity came into the picture, what was happening in the, among the Amorites in Sodom and Gomorrah and Roman age and Greek age, it was all the same life that you are talking about. Just like that. Then Christianity came like a bulldozer. It took all this out of the frame righteousness and all this thing came but it didn't disappear it just went underground mm. now the influence of christianity has gone what has happened it's all come back overground it is it never disappeared it was always there only thing now it has become mainstream okay these things will happen in the mainstream but the issue with prophecy the issue with prophecy let's go to that one one verse in Corinthians chapter 13, I think it's 14. No, first Corinthians. Yeah. Yes. That is one thing which we need to understand about prophecy. Chapter 16 and words 9 
We know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. So there's something about prophecy. We'll never fully understand prophecy. It's not possible to understand prophecy because prophecy is something which is from another realm given to us in this realm. And as long as we are in this yes, realm, we will never understand that realm, what yes. that realm is speaking fully. There was only one person who understood prophecy fully. It was Jesus. Yes. He was the only one who understood absolutely fully because mm-hmm. he came from there mm-hmm. into this. He was son of God, son of man. So when he interpreted scriptures, we were saying, ah, we didn't even know what this is what it meant. This is what it meant. This is what mm-hmm. it meant. So he understood. So every time when he was talking about this had to happen, the scripture had to be fulfilled. What was that? It was a prophecy. Mm-hmm. This prophecy is staring right in their eyes. Nobody understood so we look at all these Old Testamental prophecies. Yes, we have the Spirit of God. Yes, the Spirit of God teaches. But the problem is, for every prophecy, you will find five godly prophets saying five different things. And you get confused. Same. About the same thing. So you get confused. The people who talk about pre-tribulation rapture, mid-tribulation rapture, post-tribulation are all godly people. They are not bad people. They are all godly people. So the question is, we do not know. We see in part. So what can we do? Work on your patience. Mm. Work on your endurance. And fight that good fight of faith that you occupy that space which God has given in the spiritual realm. That you do not allow that space to be occupied. Mm. We are not talking about physical realm. Physical yes. realm don't really matter. It's the spiritual that controls. But the spiritual realm that has been assigned to you you see that you occupy. You do not allow the demonic to influence that realm mm-hmm. in within your ambit that God has. That is the key. And that is where as individuals and as churches, we are failing. Mm-hmm. We are failing. Individuals. That was where that is where prayer comes. Mm-hmm. That is where prayer comes. That's where the Bible talks about a real encounter between the two primary encounters we face uh, out in the public. One is Moses with the wizards of Egypt. And you will see they don't prevail over Moses. The simple reason is that, one, Moses was a man sent by God. Two, Moses was a man of prayer. Mm. And Moses was a man who heard and obeyed what God told him. Mm. Second thing you see is another man called Elijah. Elijah, Elijah was a man no, of prayer. prayer. He heard from God, sent by God, heard from God, and obeyed God. So that spiritual realm could never overpower when they were sent. Mm. When they sent. But we cannot presume because we also see slowly a lifting of the restrainer. Okay. But we have to hear. And one thing is that everything <coughs> will be ultimately <coughs> defined by the your prayer life. Life is important. It will be defined. Because word is one thing. Prayer is another thing. This two has to come. But ultimately you will realize this. It's your prayer life that is going to define. Jesus' prayer life is what defined his ministry. Another man could have had the same kind of word with no effect because his prayer life is weak. Mm-hmm. And that's what 
the apostles understood and forced Pentecost or change to us, not their preaching. It was the prayer life changed. Prayer life. Until the church prayer life, and that has to be primarily individual. Individually, when 10 individuals are in a church, 10 individuals have worked on their prayer life and their prayer life at church. When these 10 people come there, you know what will happen? Everything will change. Otherwise, you have 10 people and only 2 people are out. 3 people are praying. When these 10 people come, the prayer is still based on the prayer of 3 people. Not the other 7 other spectators because they don't have any prayer life. Prayer life. And the prayer life, the main thing about prayer life is hearing. It is not praying. It's hearing. Because if you don't hear, you don't even know what you're praying for. <laughs> what does God want you to pray for? What does he want to intercede for? Why? Because earth has been given to man. So God will not circumvent his own orders. So what does he do? He's always looking for vessels through him. He can pray and exercise his authority. Mm. That's why God had to come as a man to take back what man had lost. He didn't take it back as God. He took it back as man. Mm. No? And so that's why the Bible says, is, what is Jesus doing now? He's still praying. As son of man in heaven, he's still praying. He forever make intercession. Okay, if you go to Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Save them to the uttermost. Mm-hmm. Hebrews, he's also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. The simple question is, how do we go to God through him? It's in Prayer. It's in prayer. Mm. That's how you go to God in Him, through prayer. And since He always loves for them, what is He doing? He's also praying. He's also making. So He takes that. The Spirit of God prays through us. He takes it to the Father and that is how it works. The Word empowers your prayer. Yes. The Word empowers your prayer. prayer. But the Word on its own with no prayer will not work. The prayer offered by faith is that what heals. Elijah was a man of prayer and he was a man of faith. But he was a man of prayer primarily. And Jesus was a man of prayer primarily. So that is where the church has to become or as individuals we have to become ultimately praying people. Then when we look at all these signs, we will know. Deep inside we will know it is not time yet. It's not time for me to go. Or it is not time for him to come. Okay. And you will realize, you know what? I need patience. Mm. I need patience. I need to hang in there. It's not over yet. And this, I'm telling you again, these are the two most important character qualities man will need in the last days. Patience and endurance. And patience is primarily with people. Patience is with people. Patience is not with anybody else. You need to be patient with people. Because why do you need to be with patient? Because God is patient with people. Because you have to wait. Because you know, don't know how long it will take for some to be saved. You do not know. So you have need patience with people. And you need to be able to endure the times. Because as we saw in the morning, because the love of people will grow cold lawlessness will increase. It's like love will go cold, lawlessness will increase. When love increase, lawlessness will come down. If you look at what is the problem of India, people don't love each other. It's as simple as that. I remember my childhood back in Kerala. We had this lane where there were Christians, different denominations, a few Hindus and Muslims. 
never did a Hindu fight with a Christian, Christian fight with a Muslim. We all lived in peace. And in the hostel mm-hmm. where I lived, I had Muslim friends, I had Hindu friends, mm-hmm. I had Catholic friends, and I had Protestant friends. It's, I evangelized, I shared, but we were all great yes. friends. Absolutely. There was never an issue. Today, you know what? Love has gone down. Lawlessness has come. Violence. And when lawlessness comes, violence comes. Okay. And that's basically, that is basically, and even in the US, the same thing is happening. Let's look at the current issue, pro-choice and pro-life. The thing is that you are not able to have a conversation based on love. Mm. That is the whole issue. It is so much hatred. So much hatred. And there was one clip on Twitter about a man saying, I don't even want to hear your views on the uh, pro-choice group. I don't want to hear your voice. I just hate you. <laughs> and uh, not normal. what do you hate the other person for? Can't we have a conversation? Let's sit down and talk. Let's sit down and talk. We are not. It is, is it the autonomy of the woman's body? It is the right of the child. Let's sit down and talk. Let we can reach middle ground. We understand your issues. We understand your issues. Can we say you have the autonomy of your body? Yet the child also has equal rights. So let us say. You have an unwanted pregnancy. Let's not kill the baby. Let's put it up for adoption. Wow. Simple. Okay. Mm. Let's have a solution. So you don't have to have the baby. We can have like, you have every kind of unwanted secrecy in the schools. The children can take um, birth control pills without the parents knowing. All abortions without the All kind of crazy gender trans, this thing. Transition without the parents knowing. So let us create a, this thing that we don't have to let everybody know if you are pregnant. But what we will do it is that the church will create a culture. It doesn't have to go public, but we will put the baby up for adoption. So thereby, both sides will be satisfied. Your autonomy to your body is protected. The right of the child is protected. And you know what? You should have been a different place, country altogether. All together. Because it doesn't make sense. You're fighting for the illegal aliens to come in. Mm. Two million have got in. Well, you have killed 50 million children. I mean, where does your logic work? Mm. Logic work. Where does your logic work? It doesn't work. Okay. So it's all warped. But the whole problem is when love goes down, there is no conversation. Lawlessness. So, I mean, even in a home, that's what happens. Where does lawlessness happen in the home? It starts with the love going down. And love, if again I have to go back to First Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4. And that is the key. Love is not an emotion. We confuse. Love, love is not an emotion. It suffers long. It's long suffering. And it is still kind. Why does it have to suffer long? Because a person who loves is not able to agree with the other person. And the other person refuses to change. But because you love, you put tough with the other person. The other person's idiocracies. Oh. And you're still kind to the other person. Because why? You understand the, the free will God has given the other person. The only restriction you, you bring in is when the other person's choices starts 
harming the rest of the body, the rest of the home. As long as it is not harming, you still give and you wait. You still. But when the other person's actions are starting to affect the rest of the family, the children, then that is when you take, you decide to take help. But even there, it is done. The whole purpose is to protect. Mm-hmm. To protect and not to destroy. That's not destroy. And when it, it happens that way, we can have a conversation. But when you look at the last days, what you're seeing is love meter is going down, 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 down. Lawlessness is increasing everywhere. And the systems and the governments are empowering it. Empowering it. it. And then it's demonic. The systems, the governments have become demonic. Demonic. Absolutely demonic they are being. And so many, so many things are done without the people having no clue what is being done. Like the new WHO agenda, which all treaty, I think 2023, they are planning to sign. After that, WHO will have control over all the governments to decide on vaccination, lockdown and everything. Not even sovereign governments. And if you don't do that, they can fine you. So it's like EU. EU is run by a set of unelected bureaucrats. And think about it. All these countries, this set of bureaucrats who have never been elected by the people, they decide the future of individual countries. Okay? And that is basically what is happening. And uh, when you look at it, you realize, what what is happening over here? But can you speak? You cannot speak. In India, you cannot speak at all because you never know. You say something here, somebody far away in Silchar, his emotions may be affected and he will go and file a case. And suddenly, before you know, police comes and picks you because on sedition you hurt somebody's feelings and this thing. You look at the way <laughs> laws are being changed. It is a joke. It's a joke. But when you look at it, you realize this is happening because the Bible says when the spirit of the Antichrist starts actually moving, he will change the laws. So you see, the devil is very democratic. He's very, very democratic. When he comes in, he's very democratic. It's a very law-abiding. The problem is he makes his own laws and then makes us abide by it. That is the problem. And through his laws, he will actually take the liberty of the righteous away and give liberty to the unrighteous. That's what happens. So laws are being changed everywhere. Why? It's a sign of the last days. The last days. And then, you look at the other signs, but I, I don't know. I still do not think it is. If you look at the actual things that need to happen in the seven-year period, I don't think it's coming that soon. Unless there is one massive change in technology that is that sweeps the whole world. Again, one of the things is Musk's and all of them, the little satellite links, Starlinks that is going over. But then how many can afford Starlinks is the question. But suddenly, governments, because of their agenda to control people, will allow satellite, what you call penetration, internet penetration. They may allow it. 5G, 6G, all is coming. What is 5G, 6G for? Is basically to control people. To control. And if they can control us from outside, and if they can control us from inside, think about it two ways. If they can control 
already they have controlled millions of people by creating alter personalities. Now, what if a mRNA vaccination with booster dose after booster dose after booster dose is basically to control us from inside? So they have controlling us from outside. You're controlling from inside, and the system is set because unlike unlike God, the devil is not omniscient, and he's not omnipresent. So he needs all these things to control humans. Mm. God doesn't need anything. The spirit is over everywhere. He sees everything. He knows everything. He can control everything. But the demons and humanity can't do it. That is why they need technology. And there is a, so much of technology that is happening now which is connected with the demonic. Mm. It is not human. We're just telling Pastor Vijay something, if I'm right, which is called automatic writing. Mm. That's how many, many of novels are written. It is not normal. It's not a person like Harry Potter books and all. I'm absolutely sure that J.K. Rowling wrote it with the demonic. And before you know, the book is ready. In the same way, acting, singing, sports, everything. You can have demons come in and do it for you. Do it for you. Okay, do it for you. And you know what? In the process, the minds are being controlled. These people, the demons through these people, control the minds. So there are giants in this world and there is hero worship. And that's basically what is happening. And when that comes, you have to be very, very careful. There are so many ways in which controlling is taking place. Mind control is taking place. That is why we have to be very, very wise in what we watch. That's yeah. why I cut myself off sports completely. I don't want to watch sports. Yeah. And if I ever watch movies, it will be black and white from 100 and 150. <laughs> Some old western, you know, it is kosher. It's fine. I'm good with it. But you have to be very, very careful. Everything is controlling your mind. Controlling your mind. Because as a man thinks, right. so is. They don't have to do anything. They just have to control your mind. When they, when they say jump, he will jump. Like the young people, they'll all come on the streets. And ask, do you really even know what you are talking about? No. They don't even really know what they are talking about. And it's all feeling based. And the churches are also seeker, what is Seeker friendly. What can you seeker? Basically, they are, they are listing on their emotions. Feeding on their mega churches, all on emotions, which is the weakest and most untrustworthy part of your psyche is your emotions. Everything is built on emotions. On emotions. Yeah. Political parties win on emotions. Everything is run on emotions. And when your emotions, it's very easy to manipulate and control. So we see these things happening. But yet, when I look at the number of people who are not saved, not say, not not saved, but who haven't heard the gospel, I do believe there is a wave that is coming that God is going to do something. This one, one yes. question, uh, when you're saying it, uh, the, the way to face the last days is to be in the cutting edge in your prayer life, right? Mm. So what is the one thing that hinders a believer in... What will be his, what is one personal block that he has to overcome in order to ensure that he has a strong prayer life? What do you think? Self. It's as simple as that. You can never truly have a prayer life until you come each day in your prayer closets to the end of your self-life. So every day Jesus' prayer is not my will, but your will be done. Mm. If that is what he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, 
So what do you think he prayed every day? It was consistent, not my will, but your will be done. Mm. Because much of prayer is about my will. Mm. Once that is answered or not answered, the prayer stops. The only way I can consistently mm. pray till the end of my life is when I pray for somebody else's will. I will never pray consistently when it's about my will. The question is, two possibilities are there. Either the will is satisfied, then I don't have to pray anymore. Or second, the will is denied. I'm not praying anymore. Not praying anymore. The only way, honestly, you look at the men who are praying. Moses is not, his prayer life is never about himself. It's about Israel. Because if he wants to pray about himself, he will not leave Egypt. He knows the will of God is this now. And after that, it's consistently about God's will for his people. It's not about, even when he's given choices, step aside, I'll finish them off. And this, he's not, he's concerned about God, his name, his glory, his will. Mm-hmm. Elijah's entire prayer life is about Israel. It is not about him, meaning it is God's will, not his will. So mm-hmm. that's what God is talking about. And Jesus' entire prayer life is based on what is his father's will for him. And we see that finally at the end of the Garden of Gethsemane. But that's the pinnacle. But that is where he started. And that is where he ended. So if one wants to have a very powerful, honest prayer life, the only way possible is it's not my will. Mm. Because when you pray for according to your will, like I said, there are only two possibilities. Either you get it. Like let us say, you fast and pray one year for a promotion. At the end of the year, you get a promotion. After that, what will you do? It's true. The prayer has been answered. Because that was the entire focus of your prayer. (laughs) Okay? Focus of your prayer. Put it anyway. Promotion, job, spouse, to have a child. Okay? So what happens is, your prayer life has changed. Hmm. Okay? So you are basically, your prayer life is basically programmed, if you want to use that term, by (laughs) problems. So when this problem is solved, another problem is seen. Then you pray for But still it is only about yourself. Hmm. It's not about God. You know, so either it is answered or it's not answered. Either way, it will stop. But the only way you can have a consistent prayer life. That is why Jesus said, this is how you knew to pray. My name, thy kingdom come. When will we stop praying? This kingdom yes, comes. Come. Yes. There's so, no more prayer. When Jesus comes down on earth, there's no need to pray. Yeah, <laughs> what are you praying for? He's already here. Absolutely. <laughs> now faith has become sight. When faith has become sight, you don't have to pray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you will only pray as long as you're walking by faith. Mm-hmm. Right? As long as you're walking by faith, you have to pray. When faith becomes sight, there is no need for prayer. <laughs> because it's right there. You don't have to pray. You just ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? Yeah. You do this. And he's, you know the Spirit is in control. He's visibly on earth. So that is the prayer life. Jesus said, this is where you need to pray. You will pray consistently when it is about somebody else's glory. It is not easy. The cross has to cut through self-life. You will pray for your glory. And once that glory comes or denied, you will stop. Let it be about somebody else's glory. That is his name. Mm. Somebody else's will. Then the kingdom of God coming in. Once the kingdom of God coming in is, it is set. Okay? So when you talk about the last days, see, the only way you can prepare for the last days is in your prayer closet. That's how you prepare. With the word, there are many ways you can study, you can read, you can hear all that. But ultimately, you prepare yourself in your prayer closet. In the prayer closet, you will know, he will let you know 
if your self is alive or not. And if your self is alive, you are not ready. Oh. You are not ready. Third time, when he prayed, and the father said no, he got up and he told them, let's, oh, go. Right. let's go, let's go. Time is now. You already knew. Time is now. Because father's will has been accepted and they have come to the says, who do you want me? Let them go. Get it. Okay, so that's how it is. Mm-hmm. That is the only way you can actually prepare for. And that's how the book of Revelation comes. Here is a man in an island. He's persecuted for absolutely being righteous and innocent. But it says, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. What was he doing? He was worshipping. He was praying. And he was in the spirit. And we have the entire book of Revelation being given. Why would you want to pray in a time like this when you basically believe your ministry is ended? It's all over. Because what has that got to do with it? You can be at the end of your life, isolated, and self can be still alive. Mm, yes. Because if you don't have self-appeasement, it can be self-pity. For me, I served so long. All the other mm. apostles died. I'm the last one. I don't think you care. No self-pity there. No self-pity at all. What a, what a, what an attitude. Okay. Mm. He's still worshipping God. Yeah, because mm. I don't need any reason to worship you. You're worthy. worthy. To be That's it. Yep. And mm. you know what happens? Revelation comes. It's not over for you yet. Mm. Actually, the pinnacle of your ministry begins wow. now. Mm. Right. Mm. What do you see? So that's how it works. So we don't fear. Of mm. course, persecuted churches where attacks are going on. I understand it. because. But let me again put it across. Every attack in the persecuted church, the horror of it is the pain. Pain. The horror of it is the pain and the trauma. Not death. Death can mm. take place in seconds yes. and it is over. It's gone. But the process by which the death takes place, the rape, the, the, the rape is terrible, whether it is a young boy or a young girl or a woman or whatever, the rape that takes place is terrible, the trauma. But that is where, even there, you have to believe and pray that I have offered my body as a living sacrifice. This is not my body. This is not my body. And that's where scripture comes. That's where the spirit will give you strength and bring to your remembrance. Because when Saul of Tarsus was dragging Christians and throwing them into prison, the question called Jesus asked is, why are you persecuting me? So that was his body that was being thrown into prison. Oh. Not. They say, if you throw two of my children into prison, it's my body. Mm-hmm. So unless you are able to really, so really, there's a pain part. But I always believe, I have, personally have experienced it. Everybody has only a particular threshold of pain. After that, you blank out. You blank out. So there is a threshold of pain which God has given us. But other than the pain part of it, you should come to that point where you are, because you cannot be offended with God. You cannot surrender and be offended. Then there was no real surrender. Mm, yes. A real surrender. We pray none of these things happen to us. Lord, we pray, fast, pray, none of these things happen to our women folk, our women folk and our girls and our little children. Never, never, Lord, let it happen. But when it happens, and if it happens, you have to guard your response. You guard your response. Because you should not be offended. And you should be able to forgive the perpetrators. 
because he may be demonically enticed to do this and he goes away but you see the face and you are so angry and forgiving now the problem is you are in trouble not he wow strong you are in trouble so these things are very very important yeah. absolutely important because you are dealing with eternity and you are mad over a body which you are not taking to heaven anyway your body got mutilated your body got raped your body got all this but you know what you are getting a new body not this body okay so guard your soul because the effect of what happens on your body should not hit your soul yeah your soul is important mm. your soul should not get scarred mm. and marred by what happened to your body because what god is doing is the salvation of your soul and not the salvation of your body the indignity should not happen none of these things should happen but let me ask you this question whether we are in the free so called free world or persecuted world did god allow his son's body to be mutilated Mom. only thing he didn't allow was his bones to be broken because it was profiting but everything else he allowed beat him into like smith pulp they beat him up stripped his back nailed pierced stripped him naked hung him over there in the front of the whole population and he allowed his body to go through that allowed his body to go through that mm. his own son was not spared okay for our sake mm. so then as a believer if we are called to go through that then like paul says i share in my body the sufferings of christ mm. is this happening to you because of christ yes even as you grieve rejoice rejoice lord mm. i consider like that you considered me worthy for my body to go through a part of what you went through what you went through is what i go through is nothing compared to what you went through because you was was a holy body mm. a pure body okay and then not only the mutilation that happened on your body all everybody's sin was put on that body and that soul bible says his soul was poured out he has never known what sin is he never known what sin is and it all fell upon So what he went through there is no comparison mm-hmm. none of us can say that no god jesus jesus didn't go through what we went through no physically painfully yes he hasn't gone through what others have gone through but spiritually soul. soul level nobody will even understand what jesus yeah. went through because people have been tortured more than jesus that's a physical thing but what his soul went through we will never understand never understand what he went through. what he went through. in some kind of says yeah. dogs have surrounded me yes. i mean that's remarkable that yeah. uh, to see what kind of spirits the demonic, had, demonic what had. he had to we'll never we will never Rather understand we will never understand so when you go through these last days endure that learn endurance is ultimately a facet of your soul endure you have to endure all these things and come out better and not bitter have to come out more kinder more merciful more forgiving more loving because that is what will change the people if they scream at you you scream at them if they beat you you beat them up it's just religion mm-hmm. it's just religion okay it doesn't work what is different is 
our response is different because of who we are. So, that was a big answer for a small question. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Also, there's another question which is, I believe, we partly answered in terms of uh, the endurance part. But nevertheless, let's look at the question. This is question number seven. Careful. <laughs> the people who feel that this is question number seven. The people who feel that God is a disappointment, this is a really very powerfully, strangely worded question, have not understood the terms on which we inhabit this planet. Have they not understood the terms on which we inhabit the planet? We want a world in which good is rewarded and evil is punished. Would you say they have misunderstood the conditions of this temporary life in which God withholds his hand? In order, so to speak, to allow room for his plan of free will to work itself out. Honestly, we cannot worship a disappointment if we think God is a disappointment. Well, I mean, it's a remarkable question. Yeah. Uh, I wish, you partly answer this. Yeah, I wish we could have the whole question in one page, okay, because it comes as two. Okay, the whole thing is that uh, we need to realize that the whole issue is actually not with God. The whole issue is with man. One, man gave, God gave man this world. Then man fell. Everything that we are going through is because of fallen man. Mm. Okay. Good should be rewarded and evil should, should be punished. punished. That is the law. The problem is the law is in the hands of wicked men. Wherever there is a righteous man, people are happy. Only the wicked are unhappy. Okay. So the issue is not per se with the law. No nation has wicked laws except for a few laws. Even North Korea's laws are good. <laughs> okay. If you look in paper, laws are not bad. Laws are good. But the problem is who is the one who is implementing the law? Mm. Implementing the law. It's fallen men who are impl- implementing the law. But when righteous men take over, Righteous people take over. That's what is going to happen in the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. The earth will be the same. The people that are going to be ruled over are fallen men and women. So what changed? What changed? The law has basically not changed, except the few laws with the Antichrist made has been taken out. But the laws are primarily will be mostly the same. What changed? The rulers changed. The rulers changed. Because the saints are going to rule. Jesus is going to rule from Jerusalem. The rulers changed. When rulers change, everything changes. Because now you will see good is rewarded, evil is punished, evil cannot be manifested because you'll be ruling with a scepter of iron. Righteousness and peace will flood the earth. There's absolute peace, not only between God and man, man and man, Man and creatures, there will be peace. All that peace will be restored. Go to Isaiah chapter 11, 11. 7 and 8. Uh-huh. Well, let's read from Isaiah chapter 11, verse uh, five 4 on, onwards, 4 5 onwards, about how Jesus will oh, judge. Yeah. Okay, But with righteousness you shall judge the poor. This is the millennial reign. And decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips, he shall slay the wicked. Wickedness will not be allowed. It will be, they will be executed. Okay? Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. What happens with man and creatures? 
The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. <laughs> the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. Mm. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And the little child shall lead them. So suddenly peace has been restored. The cow and the bear shall grace. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Oh, we will go back like the Noah's times. Hallelujah. We'll go back. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, mm. and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. Right. If you want to go further, they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of, of the, the knowledge, knowledge of the Lord as waters cover the sea. Wow. That is what will happen. Mm. So that is, God is not a disappointment. Man is a disappointment. Yes. Okay. God is disappointed with man. We should we put it over man? Is what man be disappointed with God? God is God. He's righteous. He never changes. But He gave us a law, huh. and nations have their laws. But the people are supposed to uphold the law. When every branch of the system becomes wicked, then what do you do? What do you do? There's a government. There is the judiciary. Then there is the parliament that makes the rules. Then there is the police that is supposed to enforce. When every that's what Ezekiel talks about. Let's go over there. This is the disappointment. Ezekiel, if I'm right, 33. Where he looked for one man. Yeah, 22. Okay, 22. Verse 23 onward. Ezekiel 22, not 33, 22, chapter 22, verses 23 onwards, okay? And we see the order. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, say to her, You are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. Why? Look at this. The conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. So first, picked up other prophets. Because the prophet is the one who hears from God, and he brings correction. The fellow who becomes brings correction has become corrupt. So then, what is going to happen? Okay, Tearing the prey, they have devoured the people. They have taken treasure and precious things and they have made many widows in their herbits. They are just prophesying left, right and center. Not what God is saying for their own sake or to make money. Her priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. The priest, from the lips of the priest should come the knowledge of God. They teach the people about what is clean and unclean. Instead, they have gone. They have not distinguished between the holy and the unholy, nor have they made known the difference between the clean and the unclean and the clean. They have hidden their eyes from my Sabbaths so that I am profaned among the prophets, wow. priests. Next group. Princess. Her princes, the government, in her midst are like wolves tearing the praise to shed blood, to destroy people, and to get dishonest gain. See, when the prophet and the priest goes down, the princess will go down. You need prophets like Nathan who will come and say, you are that man. But now, these are prophets who come and say, you are not that man. This is the kind of man we need. The priest is gone. The prophet is gone. The princes are gone. Tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy people, to get dishonest gain. Her prophets plastered the with untempered mortar, seeing false visions, divining lies for them, saying, thus says the Lord God, when the Lord had not spoken. Now look at it, the problem. The people of the land have used, the people are also gone down. The people of the land have used oppression, 
committed robbery, mistreated the poor and needy, they wrongfully oppressed the stranger. This is a majority in a land, people. So what is God looking for? So I sought for one man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. All God is saying, I wish there was one man who was to pray. One man who would pray and I would stop it. He says, I looked there. I didn't find one man who is really. So you see, when the sealing of Jerusalem takes place, God says, go and seal those who are groaning over the wickedness that is happening in Jerusalem. That is what I'm saying. Real prayer life will only happen when your self dies. Because as long as you're praying for your issues and what you're interested in, God is not able to speak to you. Oh. He's not able to speak. He's not able to, because what you're basically doing is cast your burdens onto Jesus. Yes, that has become your prayer life, casting your burdens onto God. But you have never grown to the point where God is able to put his burden on you. You have never become a praying man. You pray, but you're not a praying man. You're not an intercessor. And God is looking for that one man. One man. He says, but I found none. Therefore, my own right hand, he says, will work out salvation. Therefore, I poured out my indignation on them. I've consumed them with fire of my wrath. I've recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. Think about it. Ahab, the Bible says, there was no one more wicked than him in all that generation. Man is Jezebel. But God could hold back the evil of the land through one man called Elijah. Held back. One man stood there in the gap, interceded, and God held it back. That's all God is talking about. One person who will be truly, truly surrendered. And our entire salvation is built on one man called Jesus standing in the gap and saying, not my will, your will be done. You pour it on me so that they can be freed. And God said, good, you understood it. That's how it works. That's how it works. Until we understand these things, you know, otherwise what will happen? Like I said, self is the biggest issue. <laughs> that is what? If you go to Second Timothy and chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2, 3, 4, okay? Know this, that in the last days, perilous, demonic times, that is the gatherings man, yeah. perilous, demonic times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, yeah, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despise of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, denying its power from such people, turn a whole list is given. But go back to verse 2. What is the root cause of all of this? For they will love us for themselves. You stop loving yourself, the rest will follow. You stop loving, you start loving yourself, these list will follow. That is the root. Men are lovers of themselves. Why do you need money? Because you love yourself. Why are you disconnected? Because you love yourself. Why do you love pleasure? Because you love yourself. Everything is connected with this. Right. You look at this whole thing. So you don't want any of these things to be part of your life. All you have to do is stop loving yourself. Everything is connected with itself. Everything. Why don't you pray? Because you love yourself. <laughs> Why don't you become an intercessor? Because you love yourself. Because to become intercessor, it costs you. 
you'll have to sit yeah, up yeah. late nights or wake up early in the morning you'll have to deny yourself god will ask you to fast he may yes. ask you 7 days 14 days 21 days 40 days a number of days it decided by because you handed over your stomach also to him yes okay so it is as simple as that so when we when jesus is talking about he doesn't say pick up your cross first he says first deny, deny yourself. yourself because you can pick up the cross without denying deny yourself. yourself that's how all the successful people in the world are pastor yeah. vijay became very successful because he picked up the cross <laughs> but he did not pick up the cross for god okay he went into iit and to got an mtech he finished his phd because he picked up the cross for himself mm. so that's not what god is talking about he says deny yourself pick up the cross and follow me it's very interesting when yeah. you pick up your cross for yourself mm. others suffer <laughs> <laughs> but others are willing to suffer yes others are willing to suffer. your parents are willing to suffer we will support you all the way so study mm. well bring us fame bring us glory bring us this is what we always dreamt about but the day you deny yourself and pick up your cross and start following jesus unless your parent is like hana and said this is what i dedicated you for here is you this is what i dedicated you for that you would pick up your cross and follow christ this was my purpose if you are not like hana you will be a miserable parent this is not what my plan for you was because you what now you pick up the cross and follow christ there is no glory for me in this there are shame to talk about your son you will only talk about your son in specific circles what is that circle and i see that in my family if there is a christian kind of a gathering or people come over there they will say ha ah, my son is a pastor but if it is not that gathering you are very quiet about what your son is but if your son is a doctor engineer professor your that son is acceptable in all circles believing and non believing circle is a matter of pride but if he has picked up the cross and followed christ he is acceptable only in that very small circle okay because there is no glory for you honestly there is no glory for unless it can be told about you the faith that was in you was the faith of, so there is get okay, okay yes but in most cases if you look at do you know elijah's father and mother we don't know we don't know in most cases you don't know we don't know most cases if you look in the bible you do not know them you do not know in moses case yes amram and joseph had those times of weaning when he was given back to them they put it over there okay that is there but most cases you know cases you know no so they don't get any any much glory out of it yes there is an abraham and isaac and jacob and joseph okay but other in most cases parents sovereign choice that's it's a hard god sovereignty the person <laughs> and then the parents are upset about it mm. because their plans were different okay so it doesn't work that way even godly parents are not very happy when there's a call of god that comes upon their child because everybody has set parameters how much they will allow god to influence in their life there's very few people you will ever see in history who died completely to self if you it's not an easy if that's what peter talks about i'll give you that words it is first peter chapter 4 first peter chapter 4 chapter 4 okay and verse 17 and 18 
For time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Look at verse 18. If the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Now, the righteous one. What is he talking about? He's not talking about your salvation from the penalty of sin. He's talking about the righteous one from the power Power of self. Power of self. Yes, power of self. Yes. Even the righteous saved one, most will not crucify their self, overcome their self in this world. So that overcomers will be a very small group. Because it is the most difficult thing is not to save a man from the penalty of sin. It is to save him from himself. Every day you wake up, your self turns right back. Back at you. Okay. And that is the issue. That is the issue. Almost every problem in every home and every church can be solved in one minute when the self dies. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. Immediately solved. Solved. Exactly. The end of so, hostility. End. So, <laughs> Over. <laughs> who is fighting? Husband is fighting the wife. No, his self is fighting yourself. This <laughs> <laughs> is yourself. He's fighting herself. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but if you are not, if it is not, if the self is not over there, you will be in a very calm atmosphere. You will be able to discuss issues and mm. say, ah, oh, if it's true, I was, I was wrong. You were right. Uh, there's, no offense, there's no offense. Yeah. No offense there's no offense. You were right. Yeah, I was thinking about only myself. Yes. When you told me that, I was irritated. I was thinking about myself. I didn't realize. You know what? It is a self that is the problem. Hmm. Self that is the problem. That is why these three things, offense, hmm. self is offended, unworthy, self thinks it is worthy, Unforgiveness, self thinks he doesn't deserve forgiveness. It's all got to do with self. Hmm. So Jesus says, I'll teach you a simple formula. Just wake up in the morning and die. Because in the world, everyone wakes up in the morning and <laughs> gets ready to live. He says, if you die, you will live. Mm. If you live, but remember that whole day you lived in eternity discounted as death. You look that page, 20th of May. 2022, your page, if you lived, that page is blank. You died that day because you lived. There's nothing recorded about you that day. You look at those pages, are all blank. Nothing recorded because you lived. You were actually dead in God's eyes. But if you died, you were alive. Mm. The page is full. I did this through him. I spoke through him. I could sing through him. My attitude was reflected in him or her. Everything that is written is a life of Christ through you. Amen. Amen. That is history. It's not whether we lived. It's whether he lived. That's what he said. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Meaning the Father was living through Jesus because he died. And the Father lived. That is what it is all about. This is theory. But unless you knew theory, you can never have a practical Nobody takes you into the lab first. Mm. They take you to the theory classes first and they go do the theory. Tie your theory out in the lab. And that is when you really, actually, finally, when the theory works in your lab, you also, like Archimedes says, (laughs) it works. Same thing, God said, this is what I'm telling you. Try it, it will work. It will work. Amen. 
you does work one day at a time one day at a time one day at a time it's a constant process and as it goes you'll realize okay this area is dead this area needs to die slowly 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 and every time you are dying he is living two people two people cannot occupy the same space either you die he lives or you live he dies and that's what he says hmm. that's how solutions to problems are very very easy and even you actually sit with people for counseling you look at people and you listen to them you realize there is no solution hmm. until people are willing to die there's no solution so we'll try to make as far as possible try to live in peace <laughs> otherwise you die up in pieces okay it's as simple as that solution god has only one solution to all man's problem the cross exactly this is the solution the cross will divide humanity and keep on dividing even the ones who are divided on the right exactly. side exactly <laughs> the cross will keep on dividing oh boy yes pastor vijay again it's possible. i just want to digest the answer <laughs> it's very interesting that when uh, jesus says he who uh, loses his life uh, will find it will find, find it. he who finds his life mm-hmm. will lose it and the word for life is soul yeah. he who loses his, his soul, soul yeah. will find it and you will salvation of the soul yeah. because they've been you saying about the soul it's just God who is eternal and exists and has no needs if you want to put it in human terms he says you know what i just love for you uh, exactly. <laughs> i have no needs i don't even need you uh-huh. but every moment of my day the thoughts that i have towards you. you cannot be counted yes. my son is forever interceding for you the spirit is forever interceding for you we trinity you know what mm. our minds are occupied with thoughts about you we love for you and god says that's exactly what you want to be because they are absolutely happy absolutely content absolutely in peace because they don't think about themselves and, and the fact of the matter mm-hmm. is that even if you want to be in the cutting edge of let's say spiritual warfare uh, it says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony and they did not like love, love, love his souls yeah. the word for even like again unto death unto death so you can see the they willing see to the, die. see the uh, willing to the, the entire thing they did not together. love their lives even unto death Okay. I mean so that's we look at revelation 20 12 11 they did not love and say what did these people do they prayed mm. they were given over to pray mm. given over whatever get given over to god and they literally like david livingston died on their knees oh, yes they died pray praying literally they wow. were given over to god mm. if you look at you look at Paul's letters and all you look at this man he is just praying in the prison praying 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 and writing letters praying writing praying 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 and that threads are enormous power powers of darkness was rolled mm. back away from europe europe was that people one man one man's his prayer life which is what brought his revelations cannot have one without the other I mean, there's a one remarkable verse in 1518 of romans he says i preached among the gentiles and what i preached among the gentiles i didn't i did not to preach anything except what god has done through me i mean it's remarkable that one man <laughs> becomes the apostle to the gentiles and not only his generation he touched every generation every, every generation there are people like a lot of people are there like that 
they not just touch their generation they touch every subsequent generation every subsequent generation they have touched mm. so that's what god is talking about you know when I mean, that comes so god is not a disappointment huh. we are a disappointment amen we are a disappointment and this if you're keeping our eyes on the temporal well, world we are going to be disappointed, disappointed exactly if this is this life only if you have half the common sense and read the bible and look in the world you will realize that all the advancements things are not getting better it's getting worse worse that's true it's not getting better mm. we are at the cutting edge of technology mm. still is worse it's still it getting worse mm. it's not getting better it's getting worse why only reason why is because we took god out of the equation one thing nobody will say is let's bring the living god into the picture let us seek him wow. what is the crisis no wow. true 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 nobody will. nobody will. i was i was just telling pastor vijay you see uh, sri lanka defaulted first time on its sovereign debt i don't know how much they had to pay i think it's less than 100 million dollars or something and there are people in hyderabad who can pay sri lanka's debt <laughs> but they nobody be pay a pie the wow. entire nation is on the verge of starvation literally starvation nobody will move i was thinking why is it so difficult 100 millionaires decide we'll give a million each to sri lanka as a donation to the government please elevate your people from your poverty no right nobody even moved nobody is moved nobody even care care 40 billion sent to ukraine to fight a battle not 1 billion for sri lanka who are dying of famine strange only rand paul has the absolute common sense to say we are borrowing from china to pay ukraine to fight russia where's the logic and our babies don't have food food milk to drink where are your priorities we did this in afghanistan we did this in iraq we ran ourselves bankrupt we're doing it again it's a setup who is laughing all the way to the bank the industries the military industry the pharmaceutical industry they are laughing all the way to the bank hmm. so people are just being taken and people are willing to be taken as fools that's the funniest part that's basically what's happening if you look at all around so god is not a disappointment man is a terrible disappointment and rulers are even more terrible disappointments but rulers hold the people in their grip because we have a feely touchy generation all you have to do is like feed their emotions they will say like they will say i mean the funniest part is that if you look at the opinion polls it says biden's uh, popularity rating is how much 35% 35% no that is not the point the point is that you still have 35% people who exactly. approve you exactly tell me one that thing you have done right exactly that's true the the audacity of that poll is that there are 35% of people in america who approve of this senile person who cannot make one sentence without goofing up hasn't taken one decision that has not created a mess and you have 35% so what does it tell you about the people forget the leader what does it tell you about the people 35% approval rating now i'm not uh, looking at the disapproval i'm looking at the approval how can this man get 
5% approval is the question so what are they seeing so true what are they hearing <laughs> what are they so you look They've at it down the population buffer, yeah right? literally the demonic down. has taken over literally taken over literally has been taken over mm. okay so that's what we are talking about Yes, let's go to the next question. Oh, yeah. This is, again, question, question number eight. It's uh, very much similar. <laughs> uh, it says, um, God always intervenes when you put his agenda before yours and go for it. But when you do not put his agenda first, are you likely to fall into a pit? Or would he have mercy and pull you out? Or does it depend on how many times you fall in that disobedient path? <laughs> would you say we are, talk- we are taking advantage of his grace and mercy if we keep falling? Okay, again, now, it depends upon the person. Okay, it depends upon a person. We know persons are divided into three categories in the Bible. Believers, the children, the young men, and the fathers. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we are talking about spiritual, not physical age. So I believe with the children, there's a lot of mercy. Unless the children refuse to grow. So a child keeps, I'm mean, like, we have to look. If you fathers being evil, give good things to your children, how much more your father in heaven. So if I as a father has so much mercy upon my little child who keeps on falling and keeps on holding him by hand and teaching him to walk, so will our father. He's better than me any day. Mm. He owns better yes. than me. Okay, so there it is. The first thing. But if it is not so, See, the whole idea is uh, there's so many things that cause a person to fall. One is ignorance. Okay? Ignorance. My people perish because of lack of knowledge. So the first thing he says, does this person have the lack of, has access to knowledge? Is he interested in knowledge? Does he understand what is being, or is he willfully disregarding that knowledge? Two, when he's coming to Christ, at what point is he coming to Christ? Because like Rama, the old, old message, uh, sins, wounds, wounds and deliverance. Uh, deliverance. Yes. Oppression. Oppression. Yeah, oppression. Sins, sins wounds, and oppression. Sins, you need forgiveness. Mm. Wounds, you need healing. And for oppression, you need deliverance. Okay. For forgiveness, if you pray for healing, it won't work. Mm-hmm. The one who needs healing, you try to forgive him, he needs healing. And the one who is oppressed, you pray for forgiveness, the demon is not going to go away. Mm. Yes. So you need discernment with people. With people. Some people need deliverance. They need deliverance. Some people need healing. They have been wounded very, very badly. Wounded very badly. Like there could be a girl, let us say, 18 years old, 17 years old, atrocious behavior. And he said, why is she behaving like that? If God were to show to you, you will see, right from the womb when she was conceived, her mother has rejected her and her father did not want her. And they kept on talking. It's an unwanted pregnancy. Let's abort this baby. But the baby was born. And they born, it was a girl. They wanted a boy. The child has gone through only this stuff. Soul is full of wounds. You're getting the picture? That's yeah. how children are born. Yeah. And that's how children are raised up. 
then on top of that you go to school and because of all this you are terrible in studies and everybody called you an idiot on top of that you were not good looking so no boy looked at you at all so the only way you could get some attention was give your body to some boy hoping you would get some attention but that only brought even more oppression upon you so by the time this child is 18 19 years old she is wrecked. absolutely wrecked mm. and then you try to come and try to talk to her and says behave yourself she so, needs help she needs healing she needs forgiveness she needs healing she needs deliverance deliverance and that is why when you see jesus dealing with people you have to see his gentleness you wouldn't give a normal pastor won't give the samaritan woman the time of his day he waits she knows she's an absolutely wreck inside wounded soul is in pieces rejected and used and used and used and used then he sits with her and talks to her and says if only you knew if only you knew who was asking you for water you would ask him and you would never thirst again okay and we have to deal with people because we don't know their backgrounds mm. only god can show us the background that is why i said about patience mm. patience that is why it's so important about patience because we need when you realize look at a person behaving like that okay and then you need on the other hand if you see another person who has been given it absolutely okay and this thing very good environment everything is taken care of and then that person is behaving badly mm-hmm. that person doesn't need mollycoddling yeah. that person needs discipline yeah. discipline and sometimes the discipline is like the prodigal son take it go let's see what you do with it yeah. <laughs> you need to come to the end of yourself mm-hmm. that is the only way like i can turn you around you have to come back on those terms because it's absolutely you are not you're not an oppressed child you're not an abused child you're not an unwanted child everything that you be needed has been given to you now you choose to go that way now the only way is that you have to learn the hard way go fall hit the big man from there come to your senses turn back and come with the right attitude have sinned against heaven sinned against you i am not worthy understand that you are never worthy oh. everything that you got in the home was a gift to us freely given come back you will be restored because you are ready to be restored so you have to look at case study after case study you don't deal jesus never dealt with the crowds he only dealt with individuals mm. he spoke to the crowds but he dealt with individuals so john chapter 3 you have nicodemus 4 you have the samaritan you have the rich man the cripple sitting there for 38 years it's all individuals is dealing with but to them all his primary premise is i want to make you whole yeah. Yeah. i want to make you whole do you want to be made whole is a question so that's how you need to look at it so putting at it first if you good god's agenda first uh god always intervenes but again whenever you know when you say god intervenes don't look at it in the prosperity gospel kind of a perspective how he will intervene in your life also you do not know god intervened do you know that god intervened regularly in jeremiah's life and it became from bad to worse until the end came when the end came the babylonian king said you can either come with me 
that you can stay here. But I give you your freedom. Though the Babylonian king did not understand, he said, this was one prophet of Israel who said surrender. Because God told him to tell Israel to surrender. Okay. So how God will intervene in your life, you do not know. Okay, you do not know. Don't per se put God in a box and say, if I put God first, this is the way God will intervene. No. You don't know. Hmm. You don't know. So the simple thing is that you surrender and leave even the outcome to God. Whatever way you intervene, it is well with my soul. I give you full autonomy to that. Okay. How we will intervene, we do not know. All the apostles except John was executed. That's how we intervene in their life. Okay. He said, can you drink from this cup? And he said, yeah, but some of you will. You will. Your time will come. You will. Okay, so be very careful about it. Then, when you fall into a pit, yes, that part I understand. When you're talking about a pit, we are talking about falling like David fell. Okay, when did David fell? David fell when God, he stepped outside God's agenda. At a time when kings go to war. Okay, you see, If you're consistent in your prayer closet, you will not fall. Boils down to that. That's a battle. That is a battle we are talking about. At a time when kings go to war, David. So we are not talking about physical war or this thing. The principle is there. A man is on his knees, interceding and fighting these battles, will not fall. But when he stops praying, he stops praying. You know when Elijah fell, he stopped praying. Doesn't say he prayed. He prayed to die. When uh, Jezebel threatened him, there's no this thing. He's on his face crying out to God, Lord, deal with this witch. He didn't say anything. He stopped praying. And he fell. He stopped praying. Okay. And that's a personal experience, all of us. We will always face. When our prayer closet gets empty and weaker and weaker, we tend to go the other. Why did Jesus never fall? Because he never yeah. stopped praying. Right. When you look at his actual prayer, his actual prayer is that he should not fall. That was the sum total of yeah, his morning prayer. Exactly. He who would save him from death. What is the death? The death that comes from sin. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from the power of the evil one. That is his prayer. Me not sin. Hmm. You know. So you fall into a pit. How do you save ourselves from the pit is primarily. But if you fall, if you sin, Again, the Bible says, don't wallow over there. Get up and run back. Little children, I write this to you. That's 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. That you do not sin. 1 John 2, 1. Yeah, 2, 1. You do not sin. But if you sin, if you sin, you have an advocate. Okay, If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus the righteous. So that don't get into it. First is to sin, trap number one of the enemy. Then when you sin, trap number of the two of the wallow in your sin in self-pity. Oh, now you'll get better and then go back to God. He says, no, run back to God. You will never get better. Only he can make you better. Hmm. Run back to God, put it right with God and start walking again. Okay, so coming back to that question. Yes, we have to look at it, okay? He will pull you out. Pull you out. See, he will pull you out as long as you keep crying out to him. Hmm. Because if he said, if your brother sins against you and asks for mercy, Peter said, how many, seven times? He said, no. 
Seventy times seven in a day. So what does that mean? It means. But the whole idea is that also that is that. Yeah, of course he will forgive you for ninety times. But the problem is, there is grace available. It's grace available. Okay, grace. Available. Let's imagine um, Abigail, Pasavija's daughter, Abigail. Okay. There are 70 tests, math tests in a year, and she plunks 70 times. Every time she comes and cries and tells Father, Father, forgive me, and he forgives. So the problem is, Father will say, do you know who your father is? He's a math prof. He will never come to me and ask me, can I help you with math? Okay, go to Hebrews 5. No, Hebrews 4.16. Okay. Hebrews 4.16. This is, this is what God is actually talking about. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain what? Mercy. Why? Because he fell into the pit. Okay. Come, I will pull you out. And then what? Find grace to, to help, help in the time, time of need so that you don't fall, fall into again. the pit. Again. That's a problem. That's why God says, what is your problem, child? You Every time you come for me, imagine, the example I said, every time you flung the test, and you come and say, Daddy, forgive me, I flung the math again. But one thing you don't ask me is that, why don't you sit with me? I will teach you math. But you don't have to flunk again. That's what it is. We are going primarily for grace <coughs> to not to flunk again in that area. You fell into the pit here. Come. Okay. He won't shout at you first. He will pull at you. He will pull you. He says, Lord, help me. He pulled Peter up. And then told him, why did you doubt? Mm. <laughs> okay. Okay. He says, why did you doubt? Okay. He pulls him out. So when we sink, he pulls us out. But the whole question is that, why don't you seek grace? Grace is available. And grace is a real thing. Why don't you come to me for grace? Lord, I need grace. Need grace. Even to Paul, he says, grace is sufficient for me. Okay? And that's how we have to look at it. Of course, mercy is there. Father will forgive his child. 700 times a day he will forgive. 1000 times a day he will forgive. But the point is that he says, why is that you don't want grace? You stop. So the whole question is, your cry for mercy, is it real or not? Mm. Are you more bothered about the consequences of your sin <laughs> or are you really bothered by your sin? It's a question. These are two different things. Mercy, okay? Please forgive me, okay? Because if I die tonight, I don't want to be punished. So just forgive me. But if I don't tonight, tomorrow I'll go back to the same thing. Then before tomorrow ends, uh, please forgive me because if I die in my sleep, I don't want to be in the wrong side. <laughs> yeah, but tomorrow you're back in the sense. So you are more worried about the consequences because you know what? You actually like what you do. That is the problem. Until you learn to ask God and allow God to make you dislike what you do. Victory, not forgiveness. Victory over sin is very difficult. You want victory over sin, you have to learn to dislike what you do. Because there's pleasure in sin. Even getting angry with somebody else, you get a vicarious pleasure. Gave it nicely. That's what people say. 
as long as you are giving it nicely and you enjoy it <laughs> putting down somebody shouting at somebody you know you're not going to overcome it because there is pleasure attached pleasure attached there is a pleasure the soul the body there is a pleasure attached there are soulish pleasures there are physical pleasures with sin as long as that is there and you like it you know you like it then you have to ask lord take help me out of this we have to be very brutally honest with god because that's one person you can be absolutely honest with no issues can be very you may be honest be with struggle even to tell the closest person on earth with god you have to never have to worry about any of these things he already knows but you can really speak to him one on one and say this is my struggle i'm being honest with you i really say this is my struggle i like it i like it would you please help me help me to hate it so yeah help me to hate it that's how it is man pastor there's some doctrinal questions uh this is question number 4 i'll take one more one question number 4 yeah so it says uh paul said if you declare with your mouth jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved there's more depth than just saying this can you explain this people honestly believe if they repeat this they are saved once saved always saved okay so this is this is you see uh you cannot build a doctrine on salvation on one verse on verse okay on one verse so let's go and see what is actually saying over there let's go verse by word because this is an important question because this is about salvation uh, romans chapter 10, 10. okay there was another thing also with the sovereignty of god yeah, yeah. speaking the question has come back again, again because we didn't answer okay, okay sure. romans chapter uh, 10 chapter 10 okay verse 8 9 and 10 okay what does it say the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that is a word of faith which we preach that if you confess with your mouth the lord jesus and believe in your heart that god has raised him from the dead you will be saved with the heart one believes unto righteousness with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, salvation. <clears throat> okay. so he puts in a premise over there there's a heart and the mouth you believe in your heart about what have you believed is not that you, you see what are you actually believing for your righteousness you're believing for your righteousness that jesus died mm-hmm. jesus was buried mm-hmm. jesus was raised away all that for the sake of your sin the penalty that should have been on you put on, on this thing now you go to acts chapter 2 and verse 38 mm. chapter 38 oh, okay. 238 238 peter said to them what should we do right repent let every one of you be baptized in the name of jesus okay so you need you need to understand this is fundamental you can never truly believe until you have repented yep. not believe repenting is turning yes believing is going in another direction yes. so you cannot go in this direction unless you have turned no. from the other yes, one yes yes absolutely you cannot mm-hmm. you cannot go in two directions at mm. i'm saying repentance is lifelong but there is a repentance in the beginning of yes. your salvation you look at it okay you are not looking at the penalty you are looking at the cause 
happens. The effect is there. And the cause is there. The effect is that Christ had to die on the cross. The cause is me. Hmm. Cause is me. But if I don't deal with the cause, I cannot appropriate the effect. So basically you are saying, I am turning from my old life. I repent. I repent. I am turning. I am, I, I, I put away. That's what it calls even Hebrews 6, chapter 1 and 2 will say the same thing. Repentance. Go to Hebrews 6. It's, it explains it even more better. Hebrews 6. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation. This is a foundation. What is that? First primary foundation. Repentance from dead works and faith towards God. That is the foundation. Repentance from dead works. We taught this before in the church. Dead works fall into two categories. One is your good works. The other is your bad works. <laughs> Both. Both are dead. The righteous go to hell because they put their trust in their good works. And they go to hell because it's not good enough for God. The wicked go to hell because they refuse to repent from their wicked works. God says, you know what? When it comes to eternity, both are dead works. They produce nothing before God. So you have to repent. That's why it is easier to save the sinner than a righteous man. The righteous man is depending upon his good work, which is a dead work when it comes to salvation. Even today, you go into any Christian community, unless they have been really, really been taught and understood, you go pick 10 people and ask them why they will go to heaven. They will say because they are good Christians. They haven't understood salvation. They haven't understood salvation. They'll list the things they do. I go to church, I do this, I give regularly, I tithe, I fast, I this thing. And none of it makes you good enough for heaven. So that is the first thing. Because you cannot have faith towards God, which is belief. Belief. In the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. That is faith towards God. What faith, what God has yeah. done through His Son, Jesus Christ. You, but you cannot, unless you stop trusting, either your evil work will take you to hell, or your good work will take you to heaven. You have to stop that thing and put your faith in Christ and Christ alone from the beginning till the end of your life. So that is what believing means. And that is consistently because then God is able to show thee. Okay. And then the next verse is Mark 16, 16. Mark 16, 16. These are all connected with salvation. So you have to put all this full. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. So the problem is, how do you know you have believed? You get baptized. That's your outward action of Okay, for everything that is internal, there is an external proof. Okay, external proof. Okay, external proof. Okay, so the external proof, there is an action. The action is what? What he did, I do. He died, I died. He was buried, I was buried. He was risen up, so I will rise him as a new person. Identifying with what he did. That is baptism. So the Bible says, as many as those who received what Peter said that day, 3,000 were baptized. Hmm. And immediately everything changes. Immediately everything changes. The scripture says, they steadfastly came for the apostles' doctrine. 
What happened to them? They never came like that before because they are saved. They are saved. So there is a qualitative difference in their life now because the saved person realize, you know what? What do I need? I need doctrine. What is doctrine? Doctrine is the way you think. Uh-huh. The way you think is the way you live. Absolutely. Everybody has a doctor. One of my lines for tomorrow's message. Everybody has doctrine. Doctors. Except the baby and the madman. The madman went mad because of his doctrine. The baby has no doctrine. Even children have doctrine. You pick Joanna or Amman or any other little one, three or four or five year old ones, and you tell uh, a child that comes says, here, have a chocolate. You know what they will say? I have to ask mama. mama. You know what? That That is doctrine. That is doctrine. Mother had said something. Do not eat a chocolate unless I tell you. Only one chocolate a day. Mama doesn't have to tell the reasons. Mother has said it. The child has received it. That has become the child's doctrine. Nobody lives without doctrine. Hmm. Nobody lives without doctrine. And a proof of that you have repented and believed is that you come for doctrine because you need something to think on and live on. Absolutely. If you do not come from doctrine, you are not saved. Because you're still living the same thoughts, the same life. You never repented. You never believed. Mm. You just went through a free bath. Never really happened. That doesn't mean you changed overnight and became no, but you're consistently Stop. coming because you know the new man, new, new ideas, new thinking. The doctrine is the doctrine of Christ. Christ. What does it mean? This is how God thinks. Mm-hmm. Why does God do thing, stuff in a different way? Because that's the way he thinks. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says you have the mind of Christ. Yes. Now, have the thoughts of Christ. And if you are not interested, the simple question is, you are an employee in Noah's ark building, but you will not be in the ark. Wow. Mm. You have been hired to build the ark. You come there for different reasons. The pay is good, the food is good, the company is good, but when the door is shut, you will be outside and not inside. You'll be literally fired. You'll be fired. <laughs> So doctrine is important. Oh boy. Fellowship so. is important. Breaking of bread is important. And then prayer. primarily prayer. Prayer is not last. Prayer is the most important. But real prayer will only really become powerful and important when these three have taken place. Fellowship becomes important. Mm. Because man is a social being. But your social society has changed. Mm. You are no longer comfortable with the older group because you are a new creation. And new creation is looking for new creation. It is not looking for old creation. Of course, you can find your own groups within the new creation. Noah's Ark, there were three stories and many rooms. Find your own room. Find your own room. But maturity is found in the top group, that is Noah, being able to come into every three story and to be able to go into every room and fellowship with everybody because he is mature. But this one will not be able to fellowship with that one because it does not understand. And this one is not able to fill it because things is you are too small for me, not Jesus. <laughs> you could talk to the baby and talk to the Pharisee, talk to the priest, talk to the Levite. You could talk to everybody. You could talk with everybody. But ultimately, he being who he was, he could only fellowship with God. But he fellowship with everybody. That is what you're talking about, mature. So we have to grow. That's what the Bible says in the three categories in 1 John chapter 2. About the fathers, only one thing. You have known the father from the beginning. You have known God from the beginning. Meaning you grew, came through the process. You knew God as a child. 
You knew God as a young man. Now you have known God as a father. Okay, you knew him from the beginning. You kept on growing. So, the thing is that this is how it works. So let's go back to the question. Mm. So, what is believing? Believing you hear the word of God and primarily hear the word of God or Christ crucified for you. That has to be. It is not a blessing and a thing. Christ crucified for you. The spirit of God convicts you. That's right. And then you believe. You repent. First you repent. Then you believe. Then you are baptized. As far as possible, if you can get baptized immediately, fine. But baptism has to take place. If you, you will always struggle in your salvation if you don't get baptized. There has to be. There has to be. We have Roshan here. We have Samir here. We have Pastor Vijay here. And you have me here. Then you have two people here. John Ritchie and Sammy here. Two bachelors, four married men. See, when we walk with our wives, we don't even think who is watching, who is looking. We are not bothered. And <laughs> Dr. Richard. Okay. Mm, now let us say, John Richard is hiding out there. Let us see John Ritchie. Okay, is walking with a girl down the road. He will be always conscious. <laughs> always conscious. Okay. Okay. Now let us say he's on the road with his sister. And I don't know his sister. He doesn't have a sister. He doesn't have a let us say his sister. And I don't know his sister. If I meet the first thing he will say, Pastor, this is my sister. Please don't misunderstand. <laughs> this is not my girl. <laughs> Why? 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 You know why? Because you have not been married. Mm-hmm. So you will always be conscious. It's the same way is baptism. Once you are baptized, you know you have been united with Christ. Mm-hmm. Covenanted yourself. You yeah. have entered into a covenant with Absolutely. Christ. Personally, one on one. The pastor and all who baptizes is irrelevant. irrelevant. You know you have entered into a one on covenant with Christ. And therefore you know what? You don't struggle like before. Mm-hmm. And baptism has to be a real experience in your life. And every day you live in that light. I know I have died, buried, raised up with him. I am in him. He is in me. I belong to him. He belongs to me. I am his baptism. So these three things have to. And when these three things happen, and you will see. Come, go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. 39 to 42, we'll read the pattern. The first day's pattern is very important. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God comes in once this happens. Let us go. 39. For the promise is to you, to your children, to all who are afford. That includes all of us. As many as the Lord our God will call. Verse 40. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. That is repentance. Come out. Come out. Yes. Come out. Come out. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. Everybody was not willing. Those who were willing were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And the Bible says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in the prayers. See, the gathering is all in the daytime in the temple courts. The temple court is full of teaching. But then a new group being taught by a new group of people. Because the Levites and the priests are teaching elsewhere. Remember, Jesus was found in the temple teaching. But this is a new group because they have nowhere else to meet. 
So they go back to the temple. But here is a 3,000 group split probably into a few groups. And there are these apostles and the others all teaching them the doctrine. And they're all gathered around here. Okay? And they are being taught. And the, it's all happening. Their law is being taught. Their truth is being taught. All in the same place. But it has come. It has changed. So that's happening. They gathered steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Now fellowship is not with the old group. It is with the saved group. The Bible says they gathered daily in their homes too and ate. They were very happy. And in the breaking of bread. And the breaking of bread is not a Jewish custom. It is something instituted into the church. So they have communion and in prayers. The prayers that is happening in the church is completely different from the Jewish prayers. The, the, the way church prays and the way the Jews prays, even if they are using the same Psalms, don't mean the same thing. They don't pray in the name of Jesus. They cover their heads. We men uncover their heads. Everything is different. So suddenly, right there in Jerusalem, in the temple grounds, there are two groups of people going through two different institutions to the same God. It is like chalk and cheese. One is a shadow, the other is a substance. And persecution begins on the substance, on the shadow. Persecution begins. Okay. And they are called the people of the, the way. way. Mm. The way. And Jesus said, I am the way, the people of the way. Mm. That's, how, that's how you know you are saved. Mm. It is not by a confession. A lot of things that happen along with it so that, you see, I don't have to prove to anybody that I am saved. I just have to be convinced to myself I am saved. Me proving to Samir, say, Samir, I will prove to you I am saved and then I get locked up in hell. What's the point proving to him? I have to prove to myself. And look into the scripture and look in and above all the witnesses, the spirit of God. Ultimately, the witness is the Spirit of God. You have a living witness in you. Living witness in you. The Spirit of God who convicts you every day. He convicts you, leads you to righteousness. He teaches you. He is there as a living witness. And the Bible says, we were sealed the with Holy the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. We are, if you, if Ephesians Ephesians. chapter 1. Yeah. And uh, chapter 1 and um. words... Got it? Seal, yeah. Yeah, verse 13. Yeah, 13. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. That is the seal. That is the seal. Like I stole the Nepali church on Thursday. Noah did many things. Do you know when he was safe? When God shut the door. Hmm. Till then he was not safe. You know when his salvation was paka? When God sealed the door. You know when you are safe? When you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. That seal cannot be broken by man. You can break it. Hmm. Out of your free will, choose to walk away. No man. That's what Jesus says. No man can pluck you from my hand. No man can pluck you from the Father's hand. It's not possible. That is what we talk about, eternal security. Mm. When you come through this process, you are secure. Not just by confessing something. No. 
there is a security that comes. And the security actually is once saved, always saved. The truth of that statement is the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit is your security. And when you sin and you feel terrible about it, you're convicted about it simply because the Holy Spirit is there. That's why I tell people, understand, that's the whole thing. There's a difference between a, a child of God struggling with sin and a rebel. Saul was a rebel. The Holy Spirit left him. The Holy Spirit never left David. If he left the Spirit, he would not say, do not take your Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit from, from me. He never left him. Yeah. Went silent. Never left him. But the minute Nathan came in, the Holy Spirit came alive and he cried out, I have sinned. And God said, it's taken away. But consequences will follow. So conviction is an important part of the Holy Spirit. The first work of the Holy Spirit is before you're born again and after you're born again, the first work of the Holy Spirit is He convicts you. And that is proof. He convicts you. He convicts you of your prayerlessness. He convicts you of your lack of faith. He convicts you of your fears. He convicts you. He say, why are you afraid? Did I tell you I will not leave you orphans? What are you afraid of? He convicts you. Because it is uh, what you call, it's a shame to the father. You know, if my children will come and say, I'm really afraid. I say, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of something that I cannot take care of? Yeah. Then I understand. I'm thinking about God. And I say, oh, God says, is it, what are you afraid of? I took care of death. What more can you face in life? The end of it is death, right? I took care of it. So he convicts you of all these things. It's always something to be convicted of because we are not perfect. But that very voice of con conviction is the voice of your Father in your heart. Because the Holy Spirit is your Father. You are birthed by the Holy Spirit in, your, in the spirit realm. He birthed you. He is your Father. Jesus is my Father. God is my Father. And Holy Spirit is my Father. All three are fathers. Everlasting Father, Jesus is called. By the yeah. Holy Spirit, we cry out. We cry out. Our our all, all three are fathers. Mm. Remember, and the Holy Spirit speaks like a father to us, and He convicts you. Says, mm. Why? And that itself is proof of your salvation. Amen. Being sealed, but when the Holy Spirit goes, the Bible says He tried everything. Saul, there's no voice. Urim, urim. No prophet, nothing. Finally he goes. He tried everything. There's no voice. The voice is gone silent. The voice is gone. It's not there. You know? Why? Because he chose to turn away. God did not. God was doing everything. For me, fundamentally, when I read the whole Bible and the stories of everybody, the most kindest, merciful actions of God I see is in Saul's life. With nobody has he dealt with so much patience and mercy like Saul. And he still turned away. After he took the kingdom away, he did everything to hide his shame. So there could be a smooth transition to David. Nobody has to know about it. Just between you, me and the prophet. Nobody has to know about it. Just hang in there. Mentor that young man. Let him marry your daughter. Jonathan will become prime minister. It will be a smooth transition. Nobody has to know that I rejected you. It's between you, one on one. But he goofed it up mm. big time. He went after David. He was mad with Jonathan. He killed the priests of No. He went from wickedness to wickedness to wickedness to wickedness to wickedness. But if you look at what God actually did with him, he didn't have to end that way. 
but that's who God is. It's like you, I rejected you as a king, but I did not reject you as my son. That is, he, he, that didn't, is, he didn't reject him as a person. He just rejected him as a king. That's all. That's remarkable truth. <laughs> that's, uh, that is which we need to realize. You know? and that's what mm. we need to always. Don't worry about becoming a king in eternity. Yeah, exactly. Maybe you have lost that position of becoming an overcomer. But he will never reject you as a son. You choose to walk away from the father's house. The prodigal son comes back, but he does not coming back with his inheritance. His inheritance is gone, but he's always a son. Yeah. The elder son has his inheritance. He didn't lose his inheritance. Yeah. The younger son has lost his inheritance, yeah. but he's still welcomed back as a son. Yeah. So we need to understand that. The only way you can lose your salvation if you are saved is you choose to walk away. Choose not. I Therefore, I don't believe in eternal security. Because if you have eternal security that way, then free will doesn't work. Yeah. Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. But actually, the, the very definition of eternal security, they, they need to really define yeah, the, it properly. Yeah. What is eternal? What is, free what is eternal it? security. What is it? I can be eternally properly. secure by using the free will which God has given yeah, me exactly. to choose. That is, that is, that is, eternally secure. That, is, that, so that makes sense. It is God who makes me secure and I make myself secure in God. Mm. It's always both ways. both ways. It's always a part of God, the part of man. God doesn't supernaturally overhold man's will and save Amen. anybody. Then everybody will be saved. No. Man's will and God's sovereignty. Both are there. Mm-hmm. And in that will which God has given us, and he she shows us powerful pictures like the man in Gadarenes, mm-hmm. he's still able to overrule the pressure of the demons and come and fall at Jesus. Mm-hmm. God saves him. And he sits in his right mind at Jesus' feet. He wants to go with him. He says, no, go back to your hometown. So that's what we are talking about. Hmm. Otherwise, we are just like an animal. We are not like Noah. Yeah. Noah and his wife and his three sons and his three daughters-in-law getting into the ark is different from the animals getting in. Animals were told, just get in, and they got in. Noah had choose to get in. Mm. And he chose to get in. The others did not choose. They were just told to get in. And only two of a kind of the unclean. Mm. All the other two of the unclean died. They had no choice in that matter. Can we go in? No. These two get in. The rest of you will perish. I chose you, not, not you. These two monkeys, these two lions, these two tigers, God has supernaturally chosen. You get in. The rest of you will perish. But how come you are... That's my choice. But in Noah's choice, you choose. 120 years of preaching is not for the animals. It is for man to choose. There's no preaching to animals. They don't choose. They have been no be given that will. By basic instincts they love. They don't choose. They don't choose. We choose. So God's sovereignty and our choice. Amen? The close for the day? Yes. Yes, there was one question because that sister, I think. The last question. Last question, question, question number nine. Let question. me answer that, okay? I know it's late for me, not for you. But do you have a better idea of what the sovereignty of God has to do with our speaking? Only if I submit to the rule of God will I begin to live and speak as he purposed. First, let me tell you about speaking. But go to Proverbs 18.21, why it is so difficult. Uh, 1821. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. 1821. Okay, I want Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. God has put certain things before man after he gave him the free will. 
I put before you life and death, good and evil, blessing and curses. Now he says choose. First primary way we choose is with our words. With our words. Every day we are choosing life or death, good or evil, blessing or curses we are choosing. The primary way we choose, first we choose with our words. We go back to the question. In the sovereignty of God, do you have a better idea what the sovereignty of God has to do with our speaking? In the sovereignty of God, you need to surrender your tongue to God. Mm. The words you speak to God. Because you know what? You could choose an entirely different set direction in your life by the wrong words you speak. I'm not saying words alone, but words before behind words are thoughts and before thoughts are words and after thoughts are actions. They all go together. And no, only if I submit to the rule of God will I begin to live and speak as a purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. What you believe in your heart, you speak. So you receive the word of God into your heart, you believe it and you speak. That is when God is able to be sovereign in your life. Mm. He is able to work out His plan and your purpose in your life. It's, it's in, in James it says that be mm. slow to speak, quick to hear and quick to obey. Mm. Uh, so, so that you don't speak before you get the information yes. as to how you change how, your mind. How, how, you, how, change you, how you basically... Think, think you way. see, we cannot speak without information. Yes, exactly. Every, de- information. every decision is based on information. information. So God says, first... Check the source. Mm. The only thing that is absolutely 100% true is the word of God. Every other information is false Mm. or partially true, not fully true. Only thing that is true is what the word of God says because God spoke it. That's Mm. why it is true. God is truth. The word of God is truth. Therefore, if we want God to be sovereign in our life, our speaking matters. Our speaking matters really, really matters. Our words matter. And God says we'll have to give an account for every idle word we spoke. Those words may have seemed like idle, but it cost us a lot in this life. Because you know what? Man was made in the image of God. And God created with words. Yeah. Created with words. Okay, created with words. And we also create our reality with words. I'm not talking about materially creating like God did. But let me tell you, okay. If, let us think, if I go back home now and I fight with my wife and I say nasty words, I've already created the reality of the atmosphere that will follow. Mm. Because of the words I spoke. I already created, I already created, how did I create that atmosphere in my home? Suddenly the house is quiet. Everybody is silent. Everybody, no, no joy, no peace, everything. How did the atmosphere change? Who created that atmosphere? I created it with my words. That's why God says, slow to speak, slow to anger. Our words create our reality. Why is a house very happy? The words created it. Why is a word very sad? Words created it. Why is a house very miserable? Words created it. Of course, actions also are there. But first it is always the words. Mm. Always the words. You can yeah, even have a peaceful home with no words. <laughs> with no words. 
You're very, you speak very few words. That's why the Bible says, even a fool will be considered wise if he keeps his mouth shut. Yeah. How do you, how do they know you know nothing if you keep your mouth shut? All you have to sit there, look serious and nod until the wise man is nodding. <laughs> it's worse. It's, that's what it is. So you have a better idea. Really, really sovereignty, the authority, the power of God. Because you see, God is not going to overrule my free will. But I can in my free will allow the sovereignty of power to start working through me in my life and in my atmosphere. So your, your outward circumstances is not going to determine your, your atmosphere. In that case, the whipping you got, the humiliation you went through, the chains on your hands and the legs in stock is going to determine your atmosphere. But the atmosphere was suddenly changed by two men in the midnight hour. They are singing. And the Bible says the entire atmosphere changed in the whole prison because everybody is listening. How did two people change their atmosphere with their words? Oh, they changed the entire atmosphere. And the atmosphere is so powerful. God's power sovereign, came. Sovereignty, sovereignty of God intervened, intervened into that yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. You know why? With their words. Mm-hmm. They prayed. They sang. And the Bible says everybody was listening. And the power of God was so powerful. Everybody's chains started coming off. Everybody's chains fell off. And nobody wanted to leave. The doors were all open. No prisoner wanted to escape because the presence of God was so powerful in that place. The question is, how did you create that atmosphere? By your words. Amen. You created it by your words. Yes, yes, okay. yes. That is yes. the key. And remember, these words are actually coming from, from our heart, heart because exactly. they believe. Yes, yes, yes. They believe. Words in itself will not. Mm-hmm. You have to believe. Mm-hmm. Okay? If you, what I believed, I have spoken. That's mm-hmm. what it says. If you believe in your heart mm. and, and confess with you. your mouth. So tomorrow we have worship. The issue is not with worship. It's do you believe what you're singing? Yep. Otherwise it's entertainment. Mm-hmm. Do you believe what you are saying? Yeah. If you believe, so you can have, let us say, 100 people in a church. 100 people are singing. One person believes in what is being singing. And he or she actually cannot even really sing, but he sings and believes in that word. That person will experience the presence of God and go from the house. Mm. Because the word that can save you is very near. Remember, this came from Deuteronomy 30. Choose. And he said, choose life. And he said, I am your life. So every time I believe, I am choosing life. When I choose life, I am choosing God. Because God is life. Mm. God is. That's what Jesus said. I have come to give you life. I am the life. You're choosing God. That's how it works. That's it happens. So it really, really matters what we believe. Because what we believe is what we say. Okay. Your outer circumstance can press on your soul through your senses. And you have to. That is Psalm 103. It's pressing on David. And he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless his holy name. Forget not. Don't look at your current circumstances. Have you forgotten? Forget not his benefits. He has forgives all your iniquities, heals all your diseases, and redeemed you from destruction. What more do you want? What do you want? 
don't get pressed in by current. That's exactly why I believe what Paul and sang. If there was some psalm they sang, it must have been singing Psalm 103. Yeah. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And they're looking at what kind of people are these? <laughs> Hallelujah. They are blessing their God. Other fellows, all Gentiles, bringing Lord <laughs> cursing God and bringing curses down. And here are two people, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, they are singing. You know, they change the whole atmosphere. Mm. Your atmosphere, your atmosphere, even if whether you are alone, or your home, or your office, is determined by you, not by your colleagues. It's not determined by your colleagues. It is determined by you. You can choose by your words, your atmosphere, if you believe. And that's Sabaku, another famous example over there. Everything is dreary outside. But he says, I will choose to rejoice in Allah. And you cannot rejoice without words. See, rejoicing is with words. That's why we sing. Rejoicing is always with words. And that's why to be a told by faith to put on the garment of praise. Put it on. Start singing. Believe it. Start singing. Start singing. Believe it. The more you sing, the more you will believe. The more you believe, the more you will sing. You will speak words. And what happens? Atmosphere changes. The sovereignty of God in your life. He is sovereign always. Now you have allowed the sovereignty to come into your life through the words you spoke. That's how it is determined. Amen. Amen. Yes, Pastor Vijay, close in prayer. Yeah? <laughs> Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this day that you've given to us. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us so many things today, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you are a good God. Lord, we are, our hearts are overwhelmed. I pray, Father, that, Lord, whatever you have spoken to us, we will receive it without offense. And I pray, Father, it will become a reality in our lives, O oh Lord, that you would continue to write your laws on the tables of our heart and you would cause us to walk in your ways. And Lord, what comes out of our mouth will be words of faith, words that will change the environment that we live in, our homes, our offices, our church, and everywhere we go, O oh Lord. We will become the aroma of Christ, O oh Lord. Whether it be death or life, but the aroma of Christ will come forth through us. To that end, I pray that you would bless this time that you have given to us, O Lord. That the words that you have spoken to us bear fruit. Falling on good soil and yielding even a hundredfold. We thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. See you all tomorrow morning.